Welcome to Faith Church. My name is Matthew, and um, it's a privilege to serve as lead pastor here at, at the church. Uh, we, we're really glad that you are here. Last week, we started a brand new series entitled, Won't You Be My Neighbor? And we're asking ourselves two questions all series long. First question is this, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? We're answering that question. But not only who is our neighbor, we're asking a second question then is, how do we neighbor? We're turning it in, not just a noun, but turning it into a verb. How do we neighbor those neighbors? And uh, today we're talking about the Capital C Church. And uh, it's a real joy and a privilege to invite a, a friend of mine who pastors here locally. Uh, and uh, one, one thing that I love about uh, Pastor Virgil and his wife, Lisa, they've got two great kids, teenagers now, both of them. Lord Jesus, we just all... Bless you. I'm going to call you in a couple years and get all of the tips and tricks on how to, how to do it. But I love, I'm growing in, in love for their family. They, they became the pastors at Fort Scott Nazarene in town uh, in 2016, in the early part of 2016, doing a great job there, loving Jesus, loving people. But I tell you what I love the most about this man is not only his heart for God, but he has a true pastor's heart for people. Uh, you can't walk away from a conversation with him, and I've never walked away from a conversation with him without knowing the fact that he deeply cares uh, about me, and he deeply cares about other people, and he's passionate about it. And so I've invited him to come and speak uh, on this subject of neighboring other churches. What does that look like? How do we do it? He has a heart for Jesus. He has a heart for the Capital C Church, and I can't wait for you to hear. I want to invite you, church, lean in. Grab out your notes. Uh, let's start taking notes. Let's amen. Let's get right behind him and let's open our heart to hear what God has to say. But would you first stand and give a great big faith church welcome to my friend, Pastor Virgil Peck, as he comes to bring the word. Um, I, I, as I was coming in this morning, I told my wife, I said, I haven't been this nervous to preach in a long time. <laughs> And uh, I've spoke at retreats, I spoke at, at pastor stuff, and this is like I, years since I've been this nervous, but I am so excited to come and worship with you. And uh, I would say, I'm not just saying this because I'm here, but as far as the pastors in this community, uh, Pastor Matthew is probably my closest friend. And uh, we get together on a, a, a regular, semi-regular basis and just kind of glean from each other and things that I can learn from him and things that hopefully I can I can give to him as far as what ministry, what ministry looks like here in Fort Scott. Um, I just want to let you guys know that we are starting a brand new series next week called Won't You Be My Neighbor at FSN. We are not uh, robbing it from you guys because Matthew and I robbed it from another church. And so... Um, <laughs> Just going to be totally transparent and honest with you. And so if you begin seeing stuff on our social media, um, that's what it is. And so we're, we're working together what it looks like to love our neighbor. And uh, there's a movie that's coming out uh, with Mr. Rogers uh, this uh, Thanksgiving. If there's a documentary that just came out, I would highly suggest that you guys watch that documentary. And it just kind of gives you an insight into this man who used... Uh, that the, the TV show, the, the children's show, to minister to a, a generation and multiple generations. And many of us uh, sat under the teachings of Mr. Rogers, and uh, it was fantastic. And so that's kind of what that series is based upon. But um, the year was 1942. 
and the Axis powers, which were Germany, uh, Japan, and Italy, they seemed to be unstoppable. They, they had conquered most of Europe, a lot of North Africa, and a lot of the, the, the west side of the Pacific. And as, as these, these Axis powers, these countries were beginning to grab lands, there was the, the bigger countries, the countries who had the power to stop the Axis powers, did absolutely nothing. And so the war, World War II, started in 1939. So three years after that, they begin to realize that, hey, we've got to do something to combat the evil that's going on in this world. And then uh, December 7th, 1941, the day that will live in infamy, the United States was bombed at Pearl Harbor, and we entered into this world war that many other countries had entered into. And we began to fight on the European front, and Lisa's grandfather fought there and told stories of, of the horrible things that went on there. And we began to fight on the, the, the Pacific part, and my great-grandfather part, fought on that part of the war. But in 1942 was this turning point, the turning point of the war. The Germans had suffered a defeat in Stalingrad and, and uh, another uh, country that I can't pronounce uh, by the Soviet Union. Then on the Japanese side, the United States uh, had uh, defeated the Japanese forces at the Battle, battle of Midway. And in 1943, the Allied forces, which are the United States, the Soviet Union, Great Britain, France, China, and many others, began to reclaim the lands that the Axis powers had taken during this land grab time. And then D-Day in 1944, the Allies liberated France and the forces of the United States on the Pacific side had reclaimed Guam. And then, unfortunately, the, the, the tragedy of where we bombed Hiroshima, uh, sorry, Okanagua and uh, Iwo Jima. And then 1945, the Soviet Union had reached Berlin. And Hitler, Hitler knew he was defeated, and so he chose to take his own life. And the Germans surrendered shortly after. And then, again, the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The Japanese surrendered. And there were these two countries, two powerful countries. One being a socialist country that was, that was uh, uh, governed by the Communist Party. And we have a democracy, the United States. And these two countries decided to set their differences aside and say, we have a common enemy. And we got to work together to defeat this common enemy. And our world was shaped by this decision of the Soviet Union and the United States to work together. And it's not uncommon for the churches in this community. It's not uncommon because we have a common enemy Despite our differences, despite the differences of emphasis on Scripture, despite the differences of styles of worship, despite the differences of personalities of churches and personalities of pastors, we have to set our differences aside because we have a common enemy. We have an enemy that wants to destroy you. We have an enemy that wants to destroy your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. There's an enemy that wants to destroy a generation here in this community. And the power that lives in us 
as the church, the capital C church, is greater than the power of the enemy and anything he come across to us. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. We're not fighting against one another. We're Conrad's in this fight. Shoulder to shoulder, taking back ground the enemy has already taken from us every single day. As we battle for our children, as Pastor Matthew said, we got two teenagers. Pray for us. I feel like we've had two teenagers for the last two years, so it's not anything different. But we battle every single day for the souls of our children. We pray for them. And we have a king. We have a king, and we have a kingdom that we are fighting for. And that's the kingdom of God. And the gates of hell cannot stand against it. When the church, not FSN, not Faith Church, not the Community Christian Church, the Holiness Churches, or any other church's community, when we become the church, the capital C, that is when we begin to take ground and we begin to win. And Colossians 1, verse 18 says, For he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is ahead, the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. We are all on the same team, under the same authority, and that is the authority of Jesus Christ. We have a king we're fighting for. We have a kingdom we're fighting for. And Jesus desires, Jesus desires, it breaks his heart when there's divisions among the church. But Jesus desires that we, we, that we would be one. In fact, in John chapter 17, he prays for the church. And I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved and have loved them even as you have loved me. That we would be one. That we would be one church in different locations. And when we love one another, when we become neighborly towards one another, we begin to show this world what it means to love God. And in this prayer, this prayer isn't for FSN or Faith Church or Faith or a Community Christian Church or the Holiness Church or Presbyterian or Lutheran or the Methodist or the Assembly of God or all 100 Baptist churches. This prayer is for the church, the church of Jesus Christ. And so... As I was developing the sermon in the last couple of weeks, I began to ask myself, okay, so when did this mindset of us being the church begin to develop in me? Um, I grew up in a church. Uh, if you guys, I guess I should start this way. If you've heard the name Virgil Peck before, uh, you probably thought he's probably really, really old uh, because I, cause a lot of you guys probably know my dad and my grandpa, her name Virgil Peck, and both of them grew up in this community. And I grew up in a church that we didn't necessarily work with other churches. In fact, at times, we kind of put down other churches because they didn't preach. They didn't worship the same way that we worshiped and the way we preached. They didn't dress the same way 
that we did. They didn't act the same way that we did. And so there was this, as growing up, I began to have this sense of divide among the church, that we were, we were the church, and other churches were just kind of faking it. And so that was kind of a mindset in me. And then, then I went into ministry, and we spent nine years up in Iowa, and uh, we were part of a church that was growing. God was doing incredible things. But it drove me crazy that when we go to our district assembly, we have our district assembly this week for the Nazarene Church in Joplin, that we begin to make fun of smaller churches who are struggling or in decline and be like trying to boast ourselves up. And so even as a child, there was a divide. And then even within our denomination, there began to be a divide. And I remember going to district assembly. This is most of the time what happened. I was a youth pastor. And I was young. I was, I was just getting into uh, ministry. And God was showing me brand new things and new things. And I remember feeling less than because the big church pastors looked down upon the other church pastors. And I was one of them. And I remember thinking to myself that when I become a lead pastor, and three years ago I became a lead pastor, that I would never treat another pastor as less than. I'd speak well of them, that I would encourage them, no matter how small their church was or no matter how big their church was. And so moving to Carthage, we spent four years in Carthage, Missouri, as a youth pastor. There was a group of guys that we got together, and they were all youth pastors from other churches. And really, in that sense, began to develop this camaraderie, this oneness between us. And I began to realize that we're all on the same team. We all have the same struggles. We all have the same hurts. We all have the same things that we're trying to overcome. And so instead of fighting against one another, let's fight together with each other. And I really believe that 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 transition happened between Matthew and I. Uh, You guys had a baptism service at the pool, I think, last summer. And I just remember seeing the the weather, and I was like, oh, it's going to rain. And my mind went to Matthew and Faith Church. And I just texted him and said, hey, man, what time do I need to pray for the rain to stop? <laughs> and he sent me a response to the time. And then afterwards, we got together, and that began that relationship, I believe, between Matthew and I. Hey, we are one together. We worship different ways. You guys' worship is a whole lot more livelier than ours, <laughs> which is not a bad thing. I really enjoy it. We preach different ways. We look at Scripture differently. But man, let me tell you, we worship the same God. We see Jesus Christ, and he's the only way to the Father. And so that began this, 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 this sense of me of what it would look like. And, oh, and let me backtrack. Uh, you can ask our folks. Uh, we pray for you guys often on a Sunday morning from the stage. We pray for Community Christian. We pray for the Holiness Church at West Park. We pray for all 100 Baptist churches often on Sunday morning because I want to communicate to my people that we are one team. We are the same. Different locations, but the same church. And so I asked myself, I said, what, what created this divide? What created this divide among people? And Martin Luther King, he once said that Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. And I believe it's not just segregation of the races, 
but also segregation of beliefs, segregation of different ideas. And so one of the things that, and this is a real struggle, is as pastors and as leaders, one of the reasons why we don't act as one is because fear of losing people. Fear of losing people to other churches. There are people here today that used to go to our church. They go to faith church today. There's people who go to my office and say, oh, I, I just feel like God's releasing us. I'm like, well, you can go to faith church. I, I, I say that often. I send people to faith church whether I like them or not. <laughs> but there, there is this real fear of losing people. Another reason is, is we're focused on growing our church and not the church. And so when we begin to grow our church, we're growing our little kingdom and it's not the kingdom of God that he wants us to build. And our mission is to build a big church, but not build the church of Jesus Christ. But the thing I probably, I believe the most is that, that when we view our community, we view them as customers to compete for rather than potential members of God's family. When we look at our community, that they're customers to compete for rather than potential members of God's family. We're to look at the members, those people who don't go, to Jesus, don't go to church, who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ as people who potentially can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I just want to pause real quick. And maybe you're new to faith church. Maybe you're new to church and you're just checking this Jesus thing out. You don't know about God. You don't know about Pastor Matthew in his skinny jeans. You don't know about anything. <laughs> And maybe you're just checking it out. I probably should have said that. <laughs> but I just want to tell you that there is no greater relationship than a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, today can be the day that your life is transformed and changed radically. Come talk to myself or Pastor Matthew or Amber. We want to introduce you to the greatest relationship that you can ever have. You're not someone to compete for. You're someone that has a potential to have the greatest relationship that you can ever think of. And so, I'm glad you have a clock back there, Matthew. So what creates oneness in the church? We're going to look at a passage of Scripture this morning. If you have your Bibles, just turn to Romans chapter 12. And we're going to look at what are some things that we can do as the body of Christ that creates oneness with the church. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 3. It says this. For it's by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. But rather, think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these bodies do not have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophecy, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is a leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Verse 9. 
Love must be, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal and keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. The first thing that creates oneness in the church, in the church of Jesus Christ, is understanding that God's church is bigger than us. Look back at verse 3. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance to the measure of faith God has given to you. God's church is bigger than us. God's church is bigger than you. God's church is bigger than Faith Church or FSN. God's church is bigger than a personality of a pastor. God's church is bigger than us. Rick Warren in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, the very first line, I love this, and I've used it so many, th- so many times. He said this, it's not about you. It's not about you. When we begin to focus about ourselves and our church and what we want to do, build our kingdom, little K, we must realize that God's church is bigger than us. The second thing is appreciate and honor our strengths and differences, knowing all are, are a vital part of the church. Verse 5. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Pastors are different. Community Christian, Pastor, Pastor Dusty is a great man. He's different than I am. Pastor Eric at the Holiness Church, he's a different pastor than I am. Pastor Matthew is a different pastor than I am. And I appreciate those differences. That we can come together and come along one another and encourage one another. Those churches that they, they lead and they minister in are going to be different. And we need to appreciate. We have to honor each other. We have to major in the majors to find those things that makes us similar. And one thing I do know is this, that churches in this community, that the only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. Even if that's the only thing that we hang on, we're still brothers and sisters in Christ. That the only way to the Father is through his Son, Jesus Christ. To find those things that make us common to major on the majors. The verse 6, 7, and 8, it talks about different gifts and strengths that we have of prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, generosity, leadership, and mercy. You guys are going to have strengths that we don't have. Other churches are going to have strengths that, that both Pastor Matthew and I don't have. But all of us coming together as one body, as the body of Christ, we begin to understand that we have an enemy that wants to destroy a generation. When we take all of those strengths and put them together, we accomplish so much more than by ourselves. The third thing is to speak well of other churches and other church leaders. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. There, there's so much negative talk in our community today. Uh, negative talk about leadership, negative talk about uh, things that are happening, and there's also negative talk amongst other churches. Lisa and I, we've, we have felt that. 
coming new to a community, even though I grew up kind of in this community and come back, but we kind of feel that, you know, going to a larger church, a growing church, you know, you begin to feel that there's this divide. That's why I appreciate Pastor Matthew so much, is that we, we come together with this common table. But to speak well of other pastors and to speak well of other churches, to honor one another, it shows a spirit of humility. And when we begin to show a spirit of humility, we begin to diminish the pride, the pride that is within us. The fourth thing is to pray for other churches. <clears throat> Verse 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. I ran across this question this, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it really it challenged me, and I want to share it with you guys is, is what if we prayed for revival and God gave it, but he gave it to another gospel preaching church in town? What would our response be? Would we rejoice or would we be disappointed? If we, we've been praying for revival in our community, and, and what if it happens at, at FSN? That would be fantastic. But what if it happens at Faith Church or Community Christian or the Holiness Church, the Presbyterian or Lutheran? How would our response be? We've been praying for revival. God answers our prayers. Why are we going to rejoice or be disappointed? Because our prayer wasn't answered the way that we wanted it to be answered. So to often pray for other churches. And as I said before, we pray for other churches often on a Sunday morning. Sunday morning worship, and like I said, faith church is, is usually number one on the list. The fifth way that we can show oneness, that we can show community that, that we are the church of Jesus Christ is to make every opportunity to work together. Verse 13, share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. See, Jesus Christ, when he left this earth, he, he established the local church. Establish the local church so that we can share the hope of Jesus Christ to a world that desperately needs his hope. He established the local church so that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. He knew that when he left this earth, he was sending his Holy Spirit, but he's sending his Holy Spirit upon the local church. You are, faith church, the hope of Jesus Christ to this world. As we begin to see we make every opportunity to work together. We understand that we are the hope of Jesus Christ to this world. For people outside the church, people in our communities, the people who, who share fences with you, the people who share cubicles with you, the, the, the classmates that you sit by at school, there is no distinction between FSN, Faith Church, or any other church. They just look at us as the church, but then we be, they begin to see us working together. They begin to see the love of Jesus Christ that is working in each individual church. When we work together, when churches work together, we become the capital C church. In John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus said, when he's talking about his disciples and ultimately today when he's talking about his church, by this everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. This is a sign that we're doing what God has called us to do. When we work together, 
when we pray for one another, when we speak well of one another, when we appreciate and honor our differences, it pleases God. When we love one another, particularly those who are in in another church. And when we do this, we show that we care for the family of God. When we do this, we, we show that we care for God's family, his bride, the church. One of my favorite movies is Chariots of Fire. I, I promise I won't embarrass you by singing the song. Dun, 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 dun. Eric Little in that movie, and actually it's not a, even a real quote of the missionary of Eric Little, but as a, a quote in the movie. It was a, he was a missionary and he was an Olympic track athlete. He said this, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Faith Church, know yourself. God's created you in a very unique way to make a mark on this world. When you begin to know yourself, when you begin to, to run in our lane, when we begin to do the things that God has made us to do, God finds pleasure in that. We're going to do things differently. The churches in our community are going to do things differently. But when we find out who God has created us to be, and we do that, we please God. So action steps for this week is this who do you know that goes to another church that you can show appreciation to them this week to really show appreciation to them man you may discuss differences in scripture of, of how you read it but man to show appreciation to them and to thank them for being a part of the body of Christ what is a ministry or outreach that God is talking to you about? We talk often at FSN that God is birthing things in us all the time. And he's not birthing them just in me, but there's, he's birthing them in the people. And what is God birthing in you? Whether it be a ministry, whether it be an outreach. And how can you use that to unify the body of Christ to bring them together? What is God speaking to you about? And the final thing is pray for other churches. Pray for other churches that God's best days are ahead of them and not behind them. Pray that God would just move in a pastor's heart, a pastor's heart that's discouraged. It just seems like he's doing everything that he knows to do, but just doesn't seem like it's working. Pray for a church that's struggling. They want to reach the community. They want to reach a new generation, but it just doesn't seem like it's happening. Pray for that church, that the best days of them are ahead of them. Pray for your coworkers, classmates, community members, that God would birth something brand new in them, that they would use their talents, their time, and their treasure to glorify the Heavenly Father that we become one in the church. Fred Rogers said this, 
I believe that appreciation is a holy thing. That when we look for what's best in a person, we happen to be with at that moment. We're doing what God does all the time. So in loving and appreciating our neighbor, we're participating in something sacred. So I just want to say to you, Faith, God's made you for a purpose. God's made you for a plan. God has uniquely molded you and knitted you together to make a unique mark on this community, on this world that I can't make and FSN can't make because it's your calling. It's not our calling. Do what God has given your leadership a vision to do. You have great leaders here at at Faith Church. They're seeking God's face. Just get behind them, encourage them, and pray for them often. Faith Church, we love you. And we are so glad to do ministry together with you. And then my devotions, I can't remember if it was this morning or last night, I ran across a verse, and I just want to share it with you before I, I finish up. In Romans chapter 15, 5 and 6, it says this. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and with one mouth you may glorify God, the Father of your Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor Matthew and Amber, I want you guys to come up here real quick. I didn't give them a heads up of what I was going to do. Leadership, board, trustees, what do you have? You have a board? Board, I want you to come up. If you have board members who are, you have two different services. None? You got Greg, he's back there. (laughs) Um, Yeah, just any kind of leadership, come up here. We want to pray for your pastor. There are pressures that... He faces that probably Amber is the only one that knows about. There are things that uh, we go through, discouragements, doubts, pains and hurts that probably most people don't know about. Matthew, I want to pray for you. And Lisa, if you can come up and lay your hands on Amber. I want you to pray for your pastor's wife. She shoulders those burdens like Matthew carries. Pray for their kids. You got three, right? A girl and two boys. Or no, two girls. girls. Praying for you, man. (laughs) Pray for the kids. Pray for them often. You know, I was talking this past week with some of our leadership that some of them have been pastor's kids, that there is, it's special to be a pastor's kid but they're nothing really special. They're just a regular kid that makes sense. And you guys know that. And so to encourage them and don't put them on a pedestal. I've seen it so many times with churches that put their pastor's kids on a pedestal. And when they fall, they fall hard. They're just normal kids. They're going to do the same dumb stuff your kids did. So let's pray for Pastor Matthew real quick. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this man. 
Lord, you have called him to this community. And Lord, I count it a privilege to minister alongside of him. Lord, I pray in those days that he's discouraged, that you would encourage him and lift him up. Lord, I pray that maybe text or phone calls or visits from people would just lift him up in his spirit in that time. Lord, we pray for Amber right now. Lord, there's a lot of burdens that she shoulders that a lot of people don't see. Just be with her as she encourages Matthew as they work alongside one another do what's best for the kingdom of Jesus Christ, particularly here at Faith Church. I pray for their kids. And I pray that right now that you just put a special calling upon their life. Lord, whether it's ministry or whether it's vocational calling or whatever it is, God, I just pray that you just be right now at their age, begin to birth something inside of them. God, you want to use them for your kingdom, not tomorrow, but Father, today. Just be with them, Father. Lord, I thank you so much for Faith Church. I thank you so much for, God, what you're doing in them, that you're stirring, that the Holy Spirit is working. And I pray, Lord, that that would not to stop, not stop, but would continue. That people would come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of this church from this community. We thank you, Father. Lord, we want to glorify and praise your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we thank Pastor Virgil? Would you stand with us? Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that we heard your word. Lord, we thank you for the man of God that brought that word. We, We today choose to open our hearts, God, and say we surrender to that. We receive those words today. Lord, we, we receive that, that challenge to pray for, to speak well of, to, to partner with, and to celebrate other churches and followers of Jesus. Lord, we all are in pursuit of you, and may our pursuit of you create a new passion for one another in us. Lord, we just speak a blessing over Pastor Virgil, over Lisa, their church, their family. Lord, thank you for, for them sending him to us today and allowing him to come and bring such a life-giving word to our, our body, to our family, to our community. May we walk away today changed. May we walk away today uh, impacted and different for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody agrees. said.